Hey now, welcome to the Dirty Side of the Track, America's leading Formula One podcast. I'm Brian, that's Rob. We have a race under our belt, and I can't tell if it's any different than last year. Welcome, everybody. Oh, it, How you doing, Rob? It is. It's massively different, and I, um, despite the fact that the race was somewhat boring, um, I have a huge tidal wave of optimism to let really? you know why it shows how um, the pack has closed down Max massively, and that will be coming later. So you, I don't know you, what wait, let me understand you... if I have this right. I yep. am the pessimist here who spent yes. the last 24 hours trying to figure out how we could become America's leading pickleball podcast, while Correct. you are the optimist of the group today. Correct. And oh, you, you're going to love good. the stat that I, you're going to love the stat. And uh, I don't know what the audio version of clickbait is, but um, I've just basically <laughs> done that because you're going to have to listen now to stick the rest around. of the episode to stick around. <laughs> yeah. So let's hit news and social. Uh, quite a lot kind of happened in the news this week. Oh, Some of it boy. not so great. Yeah. Um, we'll hit that. Video Vault is a bumper edition because I was bored in a hotel room in Niagara, so I actually watched some stuff, so it's a, a, a bumper version of videos, I think. Um, then we'll then we'll probably just summarize the race quite quickly because there yeah. wasn't a lot of action, and we'll nope. actually do kind of more of a first day of school report of each of the teams and kind of pick the bones out of each team. Would they be happy? Did they overperform, underperform, whatever? Um, Pit Lane Pool, first Pit race Lane review of the Ball. season. King of the Pits um some stats and some fantasy pits. yes and a preview of saudi that's what we've got so let's love get it harracking um let's get one of us want to talk we? about this one we've been trying to avoid this because it's what it's like it was a tabloid story the horner thing the christian horner stories and with no resolution we kind of acknowledged it existed and moved on we were trying to be as fans we're not journalists we it's not really we neither one of us cared we just wanted it to be taken care of, and if there was a victim, for them to be done right and for the justice to be served. And so this week, he was, you know, the, the charges were, the allegations were cleared or dismissed or whatever the language is. Red Bull said, keep, keep on keeping on. And then we're like, all right, so nothing burger, let's move on. And, you know, again, hope there wasn't something they're covering up, but who knows, we don't, so let's just move on. And then, and then, and then somebody found the email button and on Thursday, emailed the entire paddock, all the journalists, team principals, everybody, supposedly a drive of the evidence, of the text, yeah. the chats. The, the whole G drive of WhatsApps and pictures and Crazy. everything. And, and when it first dropped, we kind of both looked at it and we were like, is this real? I mean, some of the things just seemed too random. Too random. And, and it's like, I'm not sure. Um, then you made a good point, like the volume of it. If somebody has faked this, that they've gone they to spent some serious a lot effort. of time, right? They've been working on this for months. If they faked this, I mean, this was not like if there were like five of them, like oh yeah, maybe they you know created the contact in their phone name Christian Horner and they sent some notes to that fake person back and forth, and fine. This is not that. This the volume is just stunning, and apparently there's pictures which, thank God, I have not seen and do not want to see. Um, I hear they're not flattering. We'll, we're a family pod. We're going to leave it leave it at that. But just, it was like, and Rob and I were kind of talking about, well, I guess we got to acknowledge this leak and then we'll leave it at that until until yesterday when Yoss Verstappen waded in full, full thrust, full forward in on this. And now at this point, we have to talk about it because it's Max's dad and he's always around. And Max said, and at first it was motorsport.com through the uh, Telegraph in the Netherlands. I'm like, is this real? And then now it's on the BBC Sport website. I'm like, oh, God, it's got to be real. 
it cannot continue this way, said former F1 driver Jos Verstappen. The situation is not good for the team and is driving people apart. Verstappen also denied that he was the source of the leaks. So it even got to the part where they're thinking <laughs> Yas is out there <laughs> spamming the paddock with uh, Christian Horndog info. Which, and and even if you and even if you don't like him, he's got a very sordid past, old Yas. He then came out and said something which I completely agree with. Like he's like, why why would I? Max is under contract with these exactly. guys until twenty twenty eight. Why would I launch a s bomb uh, into the into the media? So I can't believe it isn't him. And he said, you know, Max is performing great. The team's performing great. He feels at home here. I have no interest in doing that at all, end quote. Um, but then he made similar comments to the Daily Mail, saying Red Bull would explode if Horner remains in his position. And Yas, who, by the way, is, as you said, a sordid past. Maybe we don't go into Yas's past. because Yeah, maybe keep, we leave it. Enough. If you want to know about Yas's background, there's Google. plenty of stuff It's out horrible. There. It is not good, the things he has done. Um, there's no well, it doesn't way. have any bearing on this. Correct. He, but he's yeah. a piece of garbage, and <laughs> so I'm being polite. And if the piece of garbage is now saying that Christian Horner is playing the victim when he is the one causing the problems, Christian Horner's got a real problem here. I mean, like, and I think we've all agreed, right? If these were real, and again, we don't know. We're not trying to say they are or not. But if they're real, he has to go. Like you, that is a hostile work environment if that's a person who works for him. So anyway, we'll see what happens. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I feel like I have to take another shower already from talking about this and I'm done with Yoss and I'm done with Christian and just let's talk about racing. Is that cool, Rob? Yeah, let's move on. Um, this bit, I kind of started putting some notes together, but actually it didn't come to fruition over the race weekend. So we can probably move on, which is just that they'd spent a lot of time trying to correct the issues with the concrete and the manhole covers and all that kind of stuff. But they did, and we didn't see it raise its head for the complete race weekend. So probably didn't really need to worry about that. But one big addition that you that you picked up here, Brian, I'll let you cover it. The, the major addition to the Bahrain Grand Prix was the checkered flag waiver of one Jeremy Clarkson, who waved the best checkered flag in the world um well very very drunk i mean yes. that that conversation with brundle on the grid as soon as he started talking i was like oh dear how many times have we been sipping a beer here mr clarkson because i was wondering where it was going to go and, and also almost brundle was kind of i think once he once his first sentence you could tell was a little bit loose you were like oh my word are we gonna get like an f-bomb or something dropped on tv here and brundle's trying to back away and clarkson right. keeps going it's awesome it was awesome and then actually some a random person on twitter said clarkson's been having some beers and Clarkson responded, he goes, you're darn right I have, <laughs> to some rando. I don't know how he even found that this person said that. But it was great to see Jeremy there. Uh, and then, you know, we talked a lot about Drive to Survive and how we really enjoyed this season of Drive to Survive. Uh, we talked about that a bit. But Rob, you have some notes on what actually came about with Drive to Survive Season 6. Yeah, I, I wonder if people have, like, we wanted to throw ourselves into it and watch it. Because, you know, A, with gluttons for punishment if it was going to be the same uh, sort of over dramatic <laughs> stuff as last time but we also want to be able to kind of communicate it on the pod so we were always going to watch it sounds like a lot of people have not even bothered because they're basically saying it's going to be the same old uh, fakery so um yeah audiences are down massively you've got 30 percent year-on-year decrease for uh, season six wow. um the series attracted an average viewership of only 2.9 million its first three days, representing a substantial decrease from previous season. 18% uh, reduction in total hours viewed over the first weekend, which amounted to 21.8 million hours down from 25. So what? 25 points. So basically 4 million hours down from the previous uh, season. 
Um, so, you know, a lot of people didn't bother turning up. Then the people that did, I think this is going to get filed under for me, haters going to hate. Right. Because some of this is, okay, right. They don't like the exaggerated sound effects to amplify crash noises and creative editing of commentators' remarks to fit the narrative. Well, okay, I mean, but if you wanted to find the particular bit of commentary that went with the action you're going to show in, you can't watch an hour of a, a race on Drive to Survive, right? They have to kind of pull right. these pieces together. As exactly. long as it is a kind of commentary that does go with the event, I'm okay with that. I am too. Um, people didn't like the Lewis Hamilton um, with Toto conversation about his contract um because apparently it was reenacted for the netflix audience so it, it had taken place which i was sitting there watching it thinking this is probably a refilm of it because it I, be. I doubt netflix were allowed into the actual contract uh conversation right but they've kind of turned around and said it would be cool if we could get an idea of what kind of what goes on in those types of uh conversations so they've filmed a, a rerun like but i'm not really that worried about that i don't care about it it's the same people it would be different if they went on the screen and said this is a reenactment and toto wolf was played by connor moore and lewis <laughs> hamilton was played by connor moore then i'd have a problem with it but this were the actual people and they represented what the conversation was like exactly and probably drop the sensitive bits that they can't say right. so either you just have nothing right. and just don't touch it or you do this and i'm fine with it and the last I one too. which i really think goes under um haters gonna hate is that people said oh the formula 2 grid was uh, shown from overhead oh, as they whatever. swooped in for the shot of the british grand prix so <laughs> it so it was still silverstone who cares if that was the fp2 car uh, the, the f2 cars i i really don't care at all i don't either didn't spoil my enjoyment i sat there in a rage for the rest of the episode saying well i just can't i just can't i can't bring myself to watch the rest of this episode those were the f2 cars clearly so yeah I'm i thought it was an excellent season like we talked Same about here. it was back to the first couple years of it one two and maybe three where it was really pretty good this was a great season and relatedly though on top of those viewership numbers vincenzo landino friend of the pod um had a good review of the latest f1 financial figures revenue increased 25 percent to 3.2 billion revenue sources were media rights and these are in US dollars. Media rights, $1.04 billion. Race promotion, $944 million. So all of those lucrative deals that we're getting through the Middle East and Vegas and other places, they're paying the bills. And that's why, as we talked about, we race for money. That's why Barcelona's coming off. We're going to a Madrid street circuit because of these numbers. Sponsorship, $579 million. Total attendance rose 5%. However... I think we all know that viewership and some of the newer fans' viewership is what drives this in future years. Global TV viewership fell 2.5% to $1.5 billion. So to Rob's point on Drive to Survive, I think we're probably seeing you know the, the retraction of some of the newer fans with Max's dominance, with... The you know you know maybe we'll see what happens this season, but some of those fans may be the casual fan I'll call them, because um, yeah. they could be longtime fans that are just casual fans. We may see them decrease a little, given well, some of the dominance, given some of the storylines, given some of the lack of change. I still love F1, even if I wanted to make a pickleball podcast this week because of Bahrain. But we'll talk about that in a second. So, Rob, do you do you agree that maybe these viewership numbers are the leading indicator, and then the the revenue numbers are sort of the lagging indicator, where we'll see that maybe you know kind of decrease or at least slow down a little in future years? I think think, um, and this is no disrespect to anybody that wants to watch a sport, but because you'll always find this, people that come in and find the sport, especially if you found it through Drive to Survive and COVID, and were maybe 
given an impression of the drama from Drive to Survive of what you can expect on track. And then you what you see is Max run off into the distance and win it easily. If you're into a sport and you're all about the fight for the front, it's going to be a real tough sell to keep those eye eyeballs on the sport. And right. I don't begrudge anybody for kind of going, I don't either. same dude won again. I'm, I'm going to go and watch something else where I actually have some kind of jeopardy at, at the front. People like me and you that followed it for a gazillion years, we're able to, and it doesn't make us any better fans, but no. we're just kind of, we can kind of turn a blind eye because we've seen multiple phases of domination where we go, okay, fine, that thing, that car, that driver's going to win. I'm going to focus on everything else that's going on. Exactly. That's exactly right. The second part, it's the I'm all right focusing on the battle for second and who's king of the midfield and kind of understanding development through the year. I'm fine. Like that still excites me. But I had, I hold no grudge against anybody, a casual yeah. fan who, who turns it off. So I'll be back in a little so, bit. Like, because we've always welcomed. Does, yeah. yeah, we've always welcomed fans in uh, under the tent of F1 fandom because there's enough room for all of us, for diehards to casual. It's all cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. do your thing. All okay, right. I think that's news and social. Let's so. uh, let's whip open. Well, you can't really whip open. Let's slowly uh, grate the door open. Well, because you have so many videos that you added, <laughs> this thing's gonna. It's, I gotta I wait for this to fully open because it's gonna. We gotta squeeze them all out of the vault, into the vault. Which direction in. do the videos go into the vault? Uh, you go first because we both have the first one, and uh, I I loved it. Yes. Okay. So I'd seen a short of it, I think, and then I came across the full length on um, YouTube. So it's world's fastest camera drone versus an F1 car featuring Max Verstappen, which is a little unfair because it should be featuring Max Liam Verstappen Lawson. and Liam Lawson. I agree. Um, Red Bull Channel. So not even the Red Bull Racing, but the full Red Bull Channel. Full Red Bull Channel. 12 minutes long. Did not feel like 12 minutes long. I could watch this drone chase the F1 car around over and over again. I love the... I love the um, fail try again fail try again element of it at the beginning where they're trying to hone the drone nice little bit of rhyming there and um yeah i i don't know which one i loved the most the dry with liam or the wet with max i mean the wet with the vortices of the the, the water spraying off was great but Liam was going quicker so that was like more i don't know just just loved it i loved it as well i preferred the dry personally because you really got a feel for the way he came out of the corners and like you were closer because they couldn't get too close to the spray i i loved it i love the whole thing i agree with everything you said and the next one is, um, I was kind of hearing all these kind of stories break about, you know, one of the reasons Lewis has gone to Ferrari is that, that year they wouldn't give him a longer term deal because they don't want to give up um, uh, Kimi Antonelli. Or they don't want to make the mistake of what they did with uh, Max Verstappen. Apparently he would have been a Mercedes driver, but they didn't get their ducks in a row in the right uh, in, in time. And he ends up going to Red Bull and the rest, as they say, is history. So I'm like, well, who is this kid? So I kind of went trying to find a few videos about him. Um, why Kimi Antonelli is the next big thing, uh, Josh Revel channel, 14 minutes. Um, you probably get it after about five, and then I would just bail, because <laughs> nothing else happens after that. It's 14 minutes long, and it just doesn't need the final nine. It is cool watching who he is, how he came up through karting, where he is now, and then they somehow managed to extend it to last 14 minutes. So I, I would bail after about the first four or five. Okay, good to know. I didn't watch it, and you know what? I won't. Yeah, just just watch this the first four, and then you this know who our, he is, right? This is what our um, that we provide. And then the last one, which I did find funny, which is uh, Drive to Survive Season 6, but only the memes. Uh, Nav F1 channel, nine minutes of just all of the meme-worthy moments uh, of Season 6. So if you want to be in on all the in-jokes about the memes that happen, but you don't want to sit through all, uh, Season 6, then uh, what are you trying to show me on... Is this okay. one of them? It's, it's James Vowles. I don't put any caffeine in my body until Sunday. 
So that makes probably in now. I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it literally had everything. It's got Gunther it. fishing. It had um, Toto and uh, Fred uh, talking about how he looks slimmer in red. I mean, anything that you can imagine from the six seasons is in nine minutes. So, really, isn't too much to sit through to watch. To I'm, I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to go check it out. And then it's over to you for your videos. Yeah, I got some good, bad, and ugly. Here we go. Lando, George, and Alex go karting again after five years. This came out yesterday, Saturday. We're recording the pod a day after the race, as we normally do on Sundays. Uh, Sky Sports F1 channel, five and a half minutes. This is must watch. This is They did this five years ago when they were rookies, and they showed them today doing a karting race, the three of them, and they goofed around, and it was a lot of fun. The hijinks to win, Lando started. I'm not going to say what he did. And then Alex tried to top it. And in the way that like nice people like Alex try to do something a little bit aggressive and it usually backfires because they're not good at cheating. Like you, you kind of get to feel like he's a good dude and like wouldn't do this normally, but he's trying to be funny and it almost goes horribly wrong. You have to watch it's and they preview most of this in the build up to the race. Or did I you didn't not tune see the build up to the race because ah, I was okay. So out yeah, of... I think I think I, I haven't seen this, but I I watched a big chunk of the race. They they did show it in the in the build up. So yeah, I, I had to watch the, the race on a big on... delay. So I and I was out driving people around in the morning. Um, okay, meet the 2024 Formula One drivers on the F1 channel. 13 minutes. It's just basically like uh, fun questions for them and an interesting way to get to know them. I totally recommend that. Um, I wanted to like this. Charles Leclerc steers and Carlos Sainz does the brakes and the gas. Uh, on the It's the Bahrain Grand Prix preview on the Ferrari channel proper, not their F1 channel. It's 90 seconds, which was very quick. It's kind of fun, but it's too fast. And so Charles driving a simulator and with his you know steering and Carlos is doing the pedals. And it's funny for like a couple seconds and then it's over. So if you skip it, I already gave it more time than it's worth. 90 seconds. There's my 90 seconds. The Haas AAA pass preseason 2024. It's almost four minutes on the Haas F1 channel. Please skip this. Seriously, I watched it so you don't have to. It's been a week. It's been up 3,000 views. And I think three of them were me when I was sleeping. Uh, so feel free to skip that one. But we're going to end on a high. 10 things Formula One driver George Russell. Let me say his name properly. George Russell can't live without. 10 Essentials on the British GQ channel. I mean, I find the best stuff. When you, you do, think of you people do. who go to lengths, do I regularly watch the British GQ channel? Well, that's between me, you, and my YouTube account. Um, eight minutes long. It is a good one. It's fun. Like You can see the travel that an F1 driver has to deal with and how George handles some of this travel. What does he bring with him? I loved it. It was eight minutes. I recommend it. We are ending that on a high, and we're going to close the video vote because we had a race this week. Hey, right. Race weekend, but weird days and times, which really messed with my mind. Oh, um, didn't get to watch a lot of practice uh, live. I really didn't kind of tune in properly until FP3. Um, really, all I'm going to say from practice is the only real nailed on things. At this point, I would say that through practice, Red Bull didn't look dominant. They looked fast, but they didn't look dominant. The only real big thing was Alpine suck. <laughs> they looked bad. So unless you've got any uh, practice insights, Brian, I suggest we move to Quali. Let's do it. Let's go to Quali. Q1, we lost the Gas Man and Esteban, as we already talked about Alpine. They were the bottom of the barrel. But the, the by the way, can I just really fast? Drive to Survive. There were two Alpine editions. Cover ears if you haven't watched. Spoilers for 30 seconds. Bruno Famine came across terribly. 
They made him out to be just behind the scenes, leave me alone. I don't like talking to people, but I'm going to shiv Otmar in the back and make sure we get rid of him, and then I'm going to take over, even though I don't think he wanted to take over. I mean, it's that he came across horribly in this, yes? He did, yeah. So I was... Alpine came across horribly, actually. They did. I was reveling in this for Bruno, who I did not like, because I like Otmar a lot. So anyway, back to normal scheduled programming. In addition to the Alpines, we lost the Saubers and Logan Sargent. And then we go to Q2. We lost Kevin Magnuson, and then now the, here's where the pain comes in. We lost both RBs. Oh boy, we lost More to Lan- follow on that. Surely. Lance Stroll, and uh, and we lost the other Williams and and Alex Albon. So we had. And I would say though, as we go we, yeah, we do. And moving on into Q3, actually, they they did flash up a graphic which I really should have captured, and someone can let us know what the gaps were. But the almost Alpines aside, the range of time Close. across the people that dropped out in Q1. This isn't like Bottas and Joe and Sargent were kind of uh, miles off the pace. You were literally like one little overcorrection where you caught the steering. That was it. You were probably out of qualifying because the pack seems to have really got closer than it even was um, last year. I mean, it's it's getting a bit crazy now in terms of just how close. I mean, as we look at Q3, Hamilton being down in ninth, didn't really, okay, didn't maybe hook up an amazing lap, but didn't do anything massively wrong. And I think it was only about a couple of tenths, maybe three tenths, was he at the end? Yeah, not even. Not even. So, like, literally the top ten is, is was just was just insane. But now, not enough people have mentioned this, but I would say that, um, yes, Max gets pole. Great lap. However... Charles Q2 lap was faster. Oh no, okay, that's right. Well, yeah, Charles's Q2 lap was faster, so it's like, oh, before I did have pace, they shouldn't couldn't hook it up. But sometimes, sometimes in sports, whichever sports you follow, your team will have all the things go your way, and you'll have a trouble-free <laughs> weekend. And if anything happens, you fall on your face and you fall onto a, I don't know, gold. Okay, it was probably hurt, but you'd be happy that you found. You know, it just everything goes your way that could go your way. When Max got that toe off Piastri yes. to absolutely catapult him down this uh, straight to top speed and only ends up taking pole by whatever it was. Was it a tenth? A two tenths? A, a less than a tenth. They, they were basically saying that that toe is probably the difference. And it's like, really? So oh, man. If you go back, and not that you have the time, but if anybody listening has a little time and is a little bored, watch the end, the final, Max's final laps of Q2 and Q3. Here's why. He was brilliant. What he did was he would actually sit it before the last corner um, and he would wait for someone coming by on a flyer and then quickly attach himself to them and cross the start-finish line at a much higher speed and follow yep. them. And Oscar got out of the way, but in Q2, it was someone else dragged him a little further uh, even. So, like, he was smart. He knows he that smart, they may not but, have but you... the same quality pace they've had before because they got Agreed. it in race pace in spades in this car. But, uh, man, he they? was... Have they? Wait till the optimism piece come in later, Brian. I don't know what you're smoking over there, but <laughs> all right. I know. So, really, quality closes out. Max pole again, but... Um... Given the easy nature that they cantered to a 1-2 last year in pole, no one really got close to them this year. It really could have gone either way. But yeah, like agreed. you say, clever driving by Max to get the toe is probably what uh, he did it twice uh, and I sealed it. it. But Charles, like you say, did a faster... The case was there if Charles could have just hooked it up because he was faster than Max, his pole time, which I don't know how often... When, again, I don't know the stats there, but how often has a Q2 time been faster than the pole time? I, I was shocked when I saw There's that. a challenge for the dirty side is to go and find out for us. 
So, so then the we race. come yeah. to Saturday morning, which was strange. Um, which, by the way, just before we get into the race, just five minutes before lights out, I suddenly realized that checkout in the hotel I was staying in was 11 a.m. for me, which would have been half an hour before the race finished. So I ran downstairs, did the thing that I hate doing because I'm not really very comfortable doing this. Excuse me. Uh, there's a diamond member. I automatically get late checkout, right? So she kind of looks at me and she's like, uh, what room are you in? Yeah, this room. Uh, yes, Mr. Vale, we can sort that. Yes. And then I go sprinting back off again. She must have wondered what the heck was going on. So I got up just as uh, formation lap was um, almost coming to an end. So we have to start. Good getaway by everybody, really. Uh, we'll talk about what happened at the back of the pack in a second. But I just want to ask you this, Brian. Yeah. Did Charles just get caught in no man's land where... Because he didn't get away brilliantly, he was never going to challenge right. Max into the first corner. So rather than maybe ease off and like try to go for the switcheroo, or at least try to kind of come back in on the inside, he kind of dangled out on the outside, which allowed Max to just kind of not drive him off the track. It wasn't illegal what Max did. Max used all of his racing knowledge to just drift out, use a maximum amount of the track, leaving Charles to either choose to run off the track and probably lose two or three paces, places, or slam on the brakes. And by slamming on the brakes, now we get a concertina effect. And suddenly, Charles is kind of like the cork in the champagne bottle. No one else can really attack. And guess what? Max goes off to get to build that one second gap that he needs, because now that DRS is going to be enabled after lap one. So I just felt Charles shouldn't have left the car out where he left it. He should have just yeah. acknowledged he hadn't had a good start and just tucked in behind Max. You remember some of those races last year when Max would have poor starts and make it interesting at the first corner? And it happened a lot in the beginning of the season. Yeah, and then yeah. You yeah, that didn't happen. I don't oh, know. No, I don't but... know. What do, you, what do you want me to say? Charles, Charles got a bad start. He had a bad race. That was a bad car. It's like, I know yeah. we're going to, I know what, what, what happened to you and me? We totally switched places. This is, this is crazy. Uh, okay, no, so I don't know so what talk, Charles uh... sort of did. But then what happened at the back? Can we talk about yeah. that? Uh, yeah, so, go for it. Uh, Stroll goes for the corner, right? And at the first corner, it's a tight kind of hairpin corner, and he's on the inside, and people are giving him space, which was amazing because it was two or three wide at that part. And so he's kind of making it through the inside of the corner. And then Nico Hulkenberg uh, came on a little hot and a little fast, and he was like, you know, all right, I had a bad start. Uh, I had a good position on the grid, and Lance passed me, and I'm going to get some time back here. And he kind of went into the back of Stroll, not super hard, but hard enough to spin Stroll around and break his wing. And then Valtteri's behind that, and he's like, oh, there's a problem. And he ran into Hulkenberg a couple times as well. It looked like twice that he ended up hitting him. And his front end plate was all broken because he showed up at the scene of an accident right in front of him. And uh, and then Valtteri also, did you hear Brundle? He's like, is he driving by Braille? <laughs> oh, that was rough. <laughs> I mean, we just said last year, like, if, if Valtteri uh, didn't have bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. Because it doesn't seem to matter where a, uh, a, a crash happens, it always seems to involve... It's never... not Sorry, not never, because it probably someone will give me an example where it was his fault. But it's very rarely well, Valtteri's I mean... fault that causes the crash, <laughs> yeah. but then he always gets tangled up in it. It's like... Hungary was his fault. He went bowling. He took out half the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I said. There yeah. will be times when it is, but that's when but, he had a fast car at the front. I mean, at the back, right. he always seems to get tangled right. up. If someone's going to get clipped and get a, a wing, front wing broken, it's Valtteri. It just is. It's just like it's got a tractor beam that just attracts him to Can we uh, disaster. Edit the but... sound effect a little bit. This is Valtteri Bottas, and you're listening to the dirty side of the track. And I'm having bad luck because I came on that podcast. Now I got to go back on the podcast to reverse my luck. Oh, okay. So, um, oh, I didn't. There's, there's really not a lot happened. I, Although we did seem to, we had 
Um, Max disappeared and got a second clear by the end of the first lap. So that was that. <laughs> Max um, gone already. Yeah. Norris uh, got Alonso. Uh, Piastri gets Alonso as well. I'm going to come back to this later. I want to highlight that because everyone seems to overtake Alonso today. And like Charles. the whole whole track seems to overtake him, yet somehow he doesn't end up last. But there we go. And we got to lap six when I just started knowing that um, it was going to be one of those days because George Russell gets uh, told to back off a little bit to save tires. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. It's going to be one of those. Just Bahrain always does this to us. It's because it's the sandy surface and isn't the nice smooth uh, surface that everyone has to go into tire management mode. But we were kind of getting some decent battles. Perez got mm. Charles. Charles had got some dodgy brake situation going on, which meant that he just didn't trust the car was going to stop anytime he hit the pedal. Um, and he kind of seemed to go backwards. Um, I, I was, I was, so we didn't know it was a brake problem at first, right? And so we're no. watching Charles, and he's locking up once a lap, if not more. And I'm like, yes. did he forget yep. how to drive? Like, what, what happened? Is his brake bias? Like, is he playing with the settings? I actually started calling him old Chuck Lock Up Leclerc over here, and it just kept happening and happening. Yeah. And then we learned, of course, the car was was broken. Um, and then Sergeant goes off the track also around this time and i'm thinking man we may get some action here you know to really make this a little spicy with charles got something going on with his i don't yep. know what it turned out his brakes uh and then logan goes off and you saw it very briefly on his steering wheel said car too hot and he's trying to get the car to start again and he's really working on it like he's not getting out so it's not a, you know it's not dead it's not didn't explode he's trying to basically reboot the car with his broken steering wheel he finally gets the car going and I'm like, that's fascinating. I'm like, okay, so, all right, I got a little something to watch here. What's going on with the, you know, the this, that, the other. Then Carlos takes Charles in an amazing, amazing move on lap 11. And at this point, basically, I fell asleep for the rest of the race. Because, like like you said, it went into, there were some other things we can highlight. There Things happened. But Max well, was I will. already I mean, going saying... off into the sunset. So we had um, the round of pit stops, and as soon as we went onto hards, we know now it's going to be tire management mode for like the next 20, 30 laps because they've got to make the hards last. So you knew there wasn't be much going on here, but um, Signs came out after his pit stop was behind um, Leclerc, and again. Signs took him again. And he just took him again. It was another glorious overtake, and it, it's like you could almost see Signs go. Bother coming over the radio saying like maintain position, hold position. He's like, no, nope, I'm taking him. What are you going to do? Fire me? So <laughs> you already did that. It's like Signs is just like got a point to prove. He's just absolutely, and I love it. I'm all here for Carlos Signs being too. the number one driver at Ferrari. This I am year. too. It's, it's, but the other nuts. thing that was that, that happened here, and it it only really benefited Max because he was so far in front, was the other kind of if the tire management of hards was a bit of a kicker the other thing that really destroyed any strategy here is because the undercut is so powerful uh yeah. in bahrain anybody that was still out it didn't get spicy that you thought oh they're gonna run this one longer and then they're gonna have some space at the end no anybody staying out longer is just going backwards once this Walks all washes out because the, the undercut is yeah because max gets a pit stop ahead so it, it kind of doesn't right. really matter but um yeah it just it it, it is it just got really broke down into being a tale of Mercedes seemed to have some problems with George's car was leaking and fluid. At one point we saw fluid come off the back and hit Carlos Sainz's visor and he had to take a, a tear off. So they were in trouble with heating or whatever was going on. The Williams were overheating all over the place. Uh, and it wasn't hot. Bro there were people in full parkas watching this thing. I, in the I, this is what I don't get. Right. Like it was a cold 
desert. That's like, not a good even... thing for two Mercedes, four Mercedes power units to have heating problems, uh, cooling problems. I guess actually would be the the problem they had. They were heating just fine. It was the cooling. And situation. they screwed the pooch with whatever they did on um, hitting the wrong setting on Lewis's car, so that the battery wasn't charging properly. And then I, the no... seat broke later yeah. on, which so we can just... skip that later. It was a big mess. But at this point, Max is so far ahead, he doesn't care about the undercut. He pits. And comes back out in first, and I'm like, oh my god, he's going for the Grand Slam today. And I I think I predicted the Triple Crown last week. I did not think he'd have the Grand Slam, because he's, he's only had four in his whole life, and he's won 4,000 races. I'm like, what are the odds? Well, he, I'm watching this thinking here, Grand Slam incoming. And then I'm realizing we haven't seen, outside of Logan's yellow, because he had to reboot his wheel, we haven't seen a yellow or red flag. We haven't seen a VSC or a safety car. And everyone's still running. And I got to be honest, if we're in tire management and everyone's still out there, it's boring as all get out at this point for me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the massive downsides to the teams doing testing in Bahrain the week before the Bahrain Grand Prix because everybody knows the track inside out. So there's kind of like no jeopardy of anybody learning the track or, you know, everybody seems to know it. Um, the cars can have been absolutely optimized for running on this track because they've had, you know, right. testing and practice Three and days. whatever. So... It's Bahrain's always been like this, that it needs that thing to spice up. Last year really wasn't that great, but we did get a VSC that kind of did some yeah. uh, spice to it. But if you look back at previous Bahrain's, it really needed safety car to bring this back to life. We... 2020s were, were powerful. Both of them, they ran there twice. But I would say at this point, we get to lap like lap 30, about midway into the race out of the 57. Checo, I just a note I made, he was in second place, but he was 15 seconds back. That's half a second a lap. So I don't know where Rob's optimism's coming in. I'm waiting over here. And yeah, then, yeah, you, you, you uh, wait. And then Valtteri goes in for a pit stop. And in addition to bumping into Nico when Nico slammed into Lance, he, they decided to take 52 seconds to change the front left. They thought Monaco was fun when he was at Mercedes. Like, that looked like fun. We couldn't get the wheel off the car for you then when you were at a different team. Now that you're here, what we're going to do is have the little nut part come falling out. We're going to run around like a clown show. It actually, I waited for them to play this music as they had to. Like, oh, oh that's harsh. That, that, that's so harsh because... No one expects that I the know, nut I that's know, part of the, the the wheel setup to not be there. So no one's got a spare tire ready to go. And they were like, uh, what do you mean the wheel's broken? Uh, yeah, this thing <laughs> here know, in the middle. Know, uh, but you know, that's what it very, looks very like harsh. when you're, they're trying to fix it. 52 seconds was still great. But dang, that was bad. For yeah, and then we um, kind of come a little bit later. And really just something to kind of pull out was maybe Piastri's I would say Piastri looks like he's getting on top of his tire management issues. Like last year, he just didn't seem to be able to stick with uh, Lando when it was a tire management situation because he hadn't got that part of his racecraft. This year, this you know, this year, this one race, uh, the evidence <laughs> points that actually he's doing that much better. But still, a little bit of uh, maybe rookieism left over. Where I felt that when he came out of the pits, like right behind, uh, or sorry, just right in front of Lewis. He didn't need to try to hold it into that corner because he's on fresh, cold hards. There, he's going to be Bambi on ice. If he just pucks in behind Lewis for that corner and goes, okay, you got me, but I'm now on fresh rubber. If I can hang out in your DRS zone, I'm going to get you back in a minute. And he doesn't. He kind of tries to defend that corner where blatantly Lewis is going to get him. And then he does slide <laughs> off to the left and gives great. up and then falls out of DRS and never gets back into DRS. They interviewed him after the race on the uh, post-race show. They had a, a couple interviews we'll reference. This will be one of them. 
and they asked him about it and Julian Palmer's like, well, what you really, what, it was full send. He goes, yeah. He goes, I was going for it. And he's like, did you expect to be able to hang on to the racetrack? He's like, why? Well, I wouldn't know unless I gave it a shot. He's like, what am I going to do? Just let him go by? I'm like, well, thinking to Rob's point, yes. And then you hang on to his bumper and then you can come back into it. But I, I respect the heck out of Piastri. Oh, I he's, love, he's brilliant. He's, he's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Um, um, the last thing I had really before we get to the chaos of RB um, was science. And I loved this. When Checo comes out with 20 or so laps left on softs, and Sainz is a second and a half or 1.8 behind, he's, I'm thinking Checo's tires aren't going to last. You can't make soft tires last 20 laps. And I forgot he's in a Red Bull, which is gentle on its tires, and he turned out to be fine. But che- you know, Carlos is like, well, when are they going to go off? Will I have a chance? And they're like, yeah, well, soon. And then he gets back on the radio. Are they falling off yet? Am I catching up? Uh, we'll get back to you. Uh, I'm like, they're still waiting. He's still driving or he's on his way to the airport asking about Checo's soft tires. Did they go off yet? I mean, it never happened. And it was a bummer. But I was watching that and I realized pretty quickly it wasn't going to happen. But that was the last thing that I enjoyed until the RB chaos. The RB chaos where we had Yuki had been chasing down K-Mag for a number of laps hanging out in the DRS and hanging out in a real close DRS. It was like 0.3, like consistently. And, you know... Danny did look faster. It just the timing from the RB. I'm no Toro Rosso. I can't call him RB. The timing for the Toro Rosso team, like he's in the throes of almost trying to put an overtake on. They come on the uh, come on the radio. Uh, swap cars, swap cars, and like Yuki's like, nah. I'm I'm just about to pull the trigger on overtaking it, and it like he just thought. I know Yuki been stuck behind him and hadn't got past him, and maybe he wouldn't have got him at that moment. But you got to think that how much interference with like the thought process of Yuki while he's trying to put an attack on, and you get that you get that message while you're in the point three seconds behind window. It just that seemed a weird timing. So it was losers all around, right? In my opinion, Yuki had had three laps. He tried for three. Maybe someone on, on Twitter said five, but I at least three laps. He was within DRS working on it. He was on older hard tires. Was, by the way, it was fun to, to realize that they, the medium tire was such hot garbage, no one even saw one. Like, what was the point of that tire? That thing was... You can buy them on eBay now, apparently. <laughs> apparently. And so he's on these old hard tires chasing K-Mag for over three laps, at least three laps, where he couldn't get past them. Danny Rick's on fresher, soft tires, turning in hotter laps. And, oh, by the way, Max Verstappen is starting to steam up behind them, and they're about to get blue flags. So they had to do one of two things. Either make this happen, the switch happen immediately. Like where the instant they realized this and the second they said it, they should have said it sooner, you get Danny Rick through and you see if you can get him ahead of K-Mag because you're about to get blue flags. Or you ignore it and you just leave it as it is and you hope you can, can get by before Max gets there. And so those are your options. What they did was they gave the call, whether they could have done it sooner or not, well, to be determined, but then Yuki hung out too long and argued for a lap or two, and it was all done for everybody by that point. So they were all losers. Like, I see Yuki's point. He's working on an overtake over there, and they tell him to back out. That's ridiculous. I see Daniel's point. I'm on faster tires. I might be able to get past him. I see the team's point. Like, we should invert the cars because that's the right strategy call to do. And then Max rocked up and blue flagged everybody and made sure there were big gaps between everyone, and it didn't matter anyway. So, like, I just thought... It was a bad yeah. situation. Losers all around. But then the checkered flag falls. Well, and... then, well just, just before okay. the checkered flag, okay. before you get into this, you say that, right? But Danny then doesn't do himself any favors. The, he recovers the gap that he's lost because of the blue flagging pretty quickly. I think it's only a lap that he's then within DRS 
what does he do? He just hangs out in K-Mag's DRS for the rest of the His race. His tires had gone off by that point. You yeah, waited too long. I don't think. I yes. mean, he's only been out on them for... No, I, I think I think that Haas, and we'll come to the uh, uh, accounts of each team, but I think the Haas has sorted out its tire problem with its tire problem yeah. sorted. I think it's pace I think the Haas better, are so. one of two teams who left Bahrain happy, but we're about to get there. Yeah. I just want to talk about this real fast. Anyway, you two, after the checkered flag, because this was amazing. And I saw this, I saw a clip of this online right away, and I didn't even know it was after the checkered flag till I reread the comments. Yuki dive bombs Danny Rick, cuts him off on the inside, and cuts him off so aggressively, he locks up. This is after the checkered flag. He's going so fast and cuts off Danny Rick on the inside of a corner. He locks up, goes right across his nose, and then he recovers and almost hits Danny Rick as he drives by him. Because Ricardo's just driving down the racetrack. Yeah. Yuki, in his fury, fury of being locking up, and he goes, oh, well, I'm going to pass him anyway. I mean, inches from hitting him under the under the checkered flag. And Will Buxton said it was nearly a, and I don't know the driver. I'm sorry. I should know this. Dan, Danny Tictum, is that the guy's name? In 2015, hit someone under a, I don't know. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. yeah. Hit somebody under a, a, a yellow flag or under a safety car. I'm like, I don't know. All I know is I saw this and there's, I mean, that, if I'm Red Bull, there is no chance he gets a shot at that seat after that. You cannot act like that. That is beyond. Yes. And he's not a rookie. He's not. It's his third or fourth year. I can't even count yeah. at this point. And it's after the checkered flag. Like, if you're racing your teammate hard, that's one thing. You're not racing anymore. You jeopardized both cars for no reason. And oh, you, can you imagine it, if there'd been contact? Well, there almost was. Think, that's my point. I think Liam Lawson might have been in for Saudi. If <laughs> <laughs> He might be in for Saudi now. Like, you have to look at it and say, at the end of the day, what is the upside? I know he's Japanese, and I know Honda's on the side of the car, but what is the upside with Yuki at RB, or Toro Rosso at this point? Is he going to be a world champion one day? I don't think you can say yes anymore. And so now he's just holding on to a seat. And so if I'm Yuki, I'm, I think I'm in real trouble for a seat next year. But that's me. So the upshot of all of that is we watched a podium uh, shape. Um, which was exactly predicted by Mr. Vale one week ago. So yeah, did, uh, I you? went back just to double check. Now, Brian, fair play, to, uh, fair play to Brian. He got two out of three in the right order. So he said Max followed by Charles followed by Carlo. So he got one and three step on the podium, correct? I said I saw a repeat of the Red Bull 1-2 and that Carlo would be the best of the rest. And uh, yeah, like you nailed totally it. nailed that. Yeah, and I, um, I called Max's uh, triple, uh, you know, his, uh, yes. I thought he'd get the triple. Did he, oh, I can't think did of the he get of the um, Grand Slam or not? Who got fastest lap? He did. He got the Grand Slam. Oh, I did. I just missed the fastest lap fifth. at the end, so I wasn't. Nice. No, he got it earlier than that. He actually went two seconds faster than anybody else in the middle of his uh, stint on his, uh, his last set of tires. He just, when he had oh, so clear when, air, when he, he just switched over, when he swapped it. over to the softs, he, yeah. Uh, yeah, got you. Okay, cool. So then, uh, rest of the points Leclerc in fourth, Russell, Norris, Piastri, Alonso, and Stroll uh, taking the last uh, point there. Um, and then we had shout out to Joe for bringing in 11th, yes. I thought, there. Uh, and K Mag, I think. Um, well, we'll get there in a minute, actually. K Mag, uh, Danny Rick, Sonodo, Albon, Hulk, Ocon, Gasly. Bottas and Sargent, and I would say the Alpine gets super lucky to not finish last because the cars that finish behind them only finish behind them because of damage and issues. Nothing to do with pace. <laughs> exactly. Mm. I mean, Valtteri's still in the pit stop waiting for his front left wheel nut to come back around, and Logan's somewhere out there with the blue screen of death on his steering wheel, like doing a reboot. Oh, so Rob, you wanna you wanna do or how how do you wanna do these thoughts on teams? You wanna do that now? 
Uh, yeah, do you want to do my stupidly optimistic? Yeah. No, let's do the homework on the teams. Let's do homework on the teams first. So, Red Bull. Oh, I they, mean, if you took away the Christian Horn Dog drama right now, I think they are they would be the happiest people in the world. And all there is is just a little question: of what's going on with the team in terms of on track performance? How does it get any better? It doesn't get any better. Exactly. They, they had perfect weekend. They had no drama. Yes, we had some gremlins maybe either in practice or quali when they were worried about upshift issues. But other than that, nothing, no tire issues, no Maybe they'd like Checo to be a little closer. 22 and a half seconds is a really far behind your teammate in the same yep. car. Unless, you know, there's something I don't understand going on there. Last year, it was a 12-second delta from Max to Checo. This year, it's almost twice as much, which is why I'm less, twice as less happy. Is that a thing? Half as happy is the word I'm looking for. So basically, A+, if we're giving it a school card, school report, it's A+, for uh, Red Bull this weekend. Let me get Ferrari next. Um, Ferrari, I actually think, can leave feeling pretty happy because I think they know that the pace in a one-lap was there because Charles had the Q2 faster than, um, than Paul. The race pace was pretty much there on a track which does not play into their strengths because it's all about rear degradation and they've always struggled with the rear end of the car. And they're doing better this year than last year. And doing better than last year. And they've gone and got a three and a four, even though Leclerc was nursing. What did I hear the stat? His left left brake to his right brake, 100 degrees different, and it should be basically the same. Um, So they did something they either just pure fluke where the composition of that brake disc just caused issues or he... I heard the phrase glazed the disc on the way to the uh, grid, maybe. I don't know what that means. It sounds to me like he did something in a bakery if he glazed the disc. But <laughs> um, but anyway, so you've got some gremlins that were going on there, and they still come away with three and four. So I think they feel good, but I think they could have done better. Like you, you don't want to see Charles having to do that through the whole race. And also, I'd like to know where they're at teammate-wise. Like Carlos, and they raced each other hard. And not well, every teammate, not every set of teammates can live with that. So I'm curious. No, it'll be interesting one to watch. Yeah. But I, I, I think would still give them a B plus for. Yeah. I think it was a positive for Ferrari yeah. this weekend. I'll give them a B minus because of the uh, Charles okay. problems. But okay. no, that, well, no, agree. That what I mean is, I think they can come out of it with a sense of optimism because they can say, look, Charles could have probably even been better if he hadn't yeah. been hit by that random brake issue. So correct. But at the same time, wouldn't you rather have not had to be optimistic when you've just had oh yeah, but some things. Unless we find out it was a Ferrari screw-up where there was an old brake pad that they accidentally put on the car. If this <laughs> is just Schumacher's one of those, like, say, ma- manufacturing glitch, yeah, yeah. If it's just like manufacturing glitch, then I think you yeah. just have to roll with the punches sometimes and go, it was out, out of our control. What, what can you do about it? But all uh, right, so Mercedes. I think Mercedes is less optimistic than you may th- say they're going to be. They couldn't keep their cars cool in the coolest day in the history of Bahrain's desert. Uh, they were yeah, both overheating. It's... Lewis's car seat fell apart. His battery didn't work. Their customer cars were literally the dashboard just screams car too hot on the Williams. They finally got rid of the wish.com thing and they go for an actual screen and they I'm made the to warnings yet. too we're, we're, big. We're reviewing Mercedes. Well, Mercedes gave them these power units and they stink. And Didn't so like the steering wheel though. The true. Whoever decided the size of the warning font needs to be fired. Um, but so, like, yeah, man, like, I, I don't think Mercedes is super happy here. They did all right. I mean, but they really were lifting and coasting pretty early. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, hmm. It's going to be hotter in Jeddah in a week's time, too. It, well, it'd be interesting to understand what that heating, I mean, look, let's have a look at this, right? 
So they've still come away with fifth with Russell and Hamilton was down in where was he? Because I've I managed to miss him off the uh, off my list there. Lower. I'm missing a driver, aren't I? He was in yeah. the points, wasn't he? He was seventh, I believe. Seventh. Okay. So, okay. Looking back on last year to this year, does the car look racier? Does it look to have more pace? Yes. Um, they're not starting the year with a with a concept that doesn't work. Did George have issues with the fluid leaking and the seat? And yeah. So again, you know, maybe dealt some cruel blows of fate that not everything came together. We said Red Bull had the perfect weekend. Mercedes definitely didn't. And without having the perfect weekend, they've kind of sat either side of the McLarens, right? They've got Russell right. just ahead of them and Hamilton just clearly behind Clearly behind so, the Ferraris, though. Uh, clearly behind the Ferraris. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Mercedes I, doesn't I race given, for third? No, I know. But given where they're coming from, they can't suddenly expect to be um, up the front. If you think about expectations of what they want to come into this season for, I'd say they'd probably come away sort of okay thinking if we can sort the cooling. If, let's say the cooling is something they understand and it's easy to control and they just screwed the pooch this week by getting it wrong. And they'll get a better wrench to tighten uh, Lewis's seat and uh, sort out Russell's uh, fluids in his sweaty visor. Um they probably can take the fight a little bit more to Ferrari, but yeah, I'm not sure they're coming away that happy. What no, C, they're C minus for third. Yeah, agreed. They're and I would actually give the same to McLaren. McLaren had Ooh. this massive trajectory. I forget hmm. their preseason testing. They had this massive trajectory last year, and they basically tied Mercedes. Right? They were. It was. We had um, Noah's Ark. Right? We had two Red Bulls. We had two Ferraris. We had a little split here, and then we had the two Astons. And so. Here was the split. They they tied. They went every other one. It was, you know, the conversation between George and Lando and Russell, uh, Lewis and then Oscar. And McLaren, I think, had higher expectations than this. Mm, I don't think it was bad. Win, I'm not they? giving them a C, uh, not, I'm giving them a B minus or C plus at best because I think they were more used to seeing podiums at the end of last year. They didn't even see uh, No, I agree. Side. But, 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 but you and I spoke about this, right? You can't if if you put all of your expectations on how last year season ended. I think everybody across the grid probably gets wildly underwhelmed by yesterday's race because Zach had come out and kind of said, "Look, we're nowhere near as bad as we were last year when we got completely the wrong direction, but we've got some parts that we haven't finished and they're not quite where we want to be. So we're going to start strong, but we believe that we're going to get racier very quickly. So they think they're going to get some upgrades fairly soon. So with that being said, they've basically sat where you they were just like snapped your arm off last year to finish where they finished today like last year lando's still filling up his hydraulics from last year right it was it was <laughs> terrible stopper. so so year on year increase if you're saying um year on year increase we want to show that we've got made progress and if they can get the same trajectory as they go on through the year then i think they very easily come into the conversation of being second but we don't know enough yet so i'm with you c plus yeah, something like great. that i think they'll be, right. be happy i think they'll be cautiously optimistic yeah we'll see and then aston martin behind them i think they have to be disappointed Yes. This, and I was calling this from, I had two calls from the beginning of the year that I got right. This was one of them. I did not expect Aston Martin to show particularly well. I thought they'd be last of the of the top teams, and they are. And, um, and quite a bit of drift, actually. Yes. The, the, everyone else is kind of fairly bunched. And I, I need to go and find the, um, actually, you, you talk about your disappointment in Aston. I'll get the, I'll get the timing uh, difference okay. up. So for me, I, you know, I, I actually think one of the drivers of the day, and I'm not going to give him my king of the pits, but Lance Stroll who was facing backwards at the end of turn one, ended up finishing right behind, well, not quite right behind, but, but nearly behind Fernando Alonso, one spot behind him. And so they're both in the points. They got to be proud of that. They are clearly better than the teams behind them, but they're clearly not as good as the teams ahead of them. 
And so to me, I think they, you know, from the run of podiums they started with last year, they got rid of the downgrades. They kind of improved a little towards the end of the season. And I disagree with you, Rob. I think you do look to where the things were at the end of last year. I think there's more teams unhappy than happy at this point. And I don't know how that happened. I would expect half to be happy and half to be unhappy. But to me, I think you got a lot of teams who are really disappointed after Bahrain. I'd give them a C, flat C for Aston Martin. Maybe Aston Martin, I'd give them a D. I think yeah. they were awful. Yeah, agreed. I think you look at, you've got um, the gaps from, say, like uh, Perez to Sainz to Leclerc to Russell to Norris to Hamilton to Piastri could all see each other. Yeah. Where if they, you know, they, they might be towards the opposite end of a straight apart. Like I think uh, Piastri was six seconds down on Hamilton, but that was like one of the biggest gaps there. Hamilton was two behind Norris. Uh, Norris was two behind Russell. Uh, Russell was seven behind Leclerc. And then he was, oh yeah, 12 behind Sainz. So you've got some, but Alonso was 20 seconds back basically from Piastri. Yeah. That's a big chunk of change. Um, so, yeah, I don't think Aston and then, uh, are going to be happy at all. And then just the teams in the, the, the midfield and the battle behind them, I'd like to do these. Like I think there were two good ones. I think Haas and Sauber have to be optimistic because Joe's pace 100%. was nice Yes, and, and K-Mag's pace was nice, and Nico still knows how to qualify. Valtteri had well, bad more luck. more than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say bad luck because Joe and K-Mag showed what the race pace of those yes, cars correct. could be. Bottas and Hulk both got caught up in incidents. Correct. So and Hulk, so actually, he still he was in Q three. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, cautiously optimistic in Haas, Me too. but maybe if they've sorted these tire degradation issues I agree. out, I'm, it's, I, it's got I think a both pace. those teams are in the B category for what they've been dealt and the cars yes. they have and where they've been. They both, I think, both teams have to say, you know what, we have brighter days in front of us. This yeah. is going to be good. I think both of those can be looking towards Jeddah and thinking points are up for grabs here. I think Williams, hold on to RB for a minute, please, Toro Rosso, because <laughs> I want to go all in because you know where I've been. I think Williams kind of got what they got. Like, they're probably a little disappointed because of the trajectory of last year, but not as bad as it was looking in practice. It was like, yeah. Uh, maybe. They came here and got a point last year. I know. Uh, Alex finished 10th and... And Val's first to be year able... with the whole team in the car, and it was supposed to be better. Yeah, and... I, I think they leave pretty disappointed. I think I, yeah. I think Williams would have been hoping to be finishing ahead of Sauber and Haas. And Alpine have to be embarrassed? I don't know what, yeah. Like, like, and I feel bad. Like, it's actually, it was so bad. And to your point, they would have been dead last if not for bad luck for uh, Nico Hulkenberg and Valtteri. Um, I feel bad for the, the, not the drivers, the team. Everyone busting their butt at Alpine to make this car and they're working so hard and it turns out not to be great. And now you got to double down. And we just found out that their technical director and their head of aerodynamics have resigned. Um, the, this ship be sinking and Bruno Famine is out there. Oh, look, we are Alpine and I am in charge now and it is all great. Well, suck it, man. You guys shouldn't have fired Otmar. Sorry. I, I like Otmar too much. Right. Do you want to uh, dissect? Um, oh God, not really. What and happened? this, this, I think this might well be the difference between why you are so down on this weekend and I'm less RB. down on it. I just because... described all these teams who were terrible. I um, know. I know. But last week when we yeah. made the predictions oh. and you went with your heart and you thought Danny Rick was going to be fourth because I think to quote, you're all in on RB and you're going to go and buy some merch. You were so riding the RB Kool-Aid that I think it was a massive disappointment where these two finished. So over to you. I actually would. Uh, so before whatever your optimism is, I'll just say this. When Max 22 seconds over his teammate, 
uh, is twice as bad as last year. And we saw what they did last year. This RB, the Red Bull has race pace that we didn't understand last year. And it may be an interesting set of qualities, but I'm, I'm worried. And yes, RB, thank God they couldn't get their act together and sell any merch, so I didn't buy any. I looked. I searched Amazon. I searched their website. I couldn't find anywhere to buy some Toro Rosso merch. I wanted it badly. I had money that I was ready to light on fire, and they wouldn't take it from me. Thank God they didn't, because now I don't have to buy any of this crap. And so I'm watching this team, and I'm like, oh, they're going to be good. It's the RB19 as their car this year. It's going to be awesome. And there they are, tootling around in the 14th and 13th. And I'm like, what happened? What happened? And even last year's Alpha Tauri, at the end of the season, looked frisky. And remember Danny Rick in Mexico, and he's having fun, and I don't think that was a finger-grown one, maybe, I can't remember. And they're, like, doing their thing, and Liam Lawson made that car, brought it into the points, and you're like, yeah, this team's on the rise. And then this happened. I have to hope, let me just say this, I'm not fully done with RB. I still love you. I still love you, Toro Rosso. You have a spot in my heart, but let's hope it was track-specific and something about the track didn't suit their car. And I'm so hoping for next week. Please, dear F1 gods, make it make it better. Okay, so are you ready for my ridiculous optimism? Yes, otherwise we are the America's Leading Pickleball podcast next week. Okay, so in a section I'm now calling Vale's Ridiculously Overly Optimistic Musings, or Vroom, I'm sure that's going to stay around. Uh, Yeah, I worked on that pun for a while. Okay, so you just said, you said Verstappen, yeah, I know, Verstappen uh, was 22 seconds clear this race, and last year he was 11, so he's doubled the lead over the field. Yeah, 12 to 22 and a half, yes. Or so you might think. So, yes, he only beat Checo by 11 seconds last year, but he beat Fernando Alonso in third, by 38.6 seconds, nearly 40 seconds clear. So the RBs were well clear, okay? Ridiculously clear. Ahead of the Ferraris by who was another, he was 48 seconds back was Carlos Sainz, okay? So last year, easy Red Bull won two, Max beats Checo by 11, everyone else is basically almost lapped. This year, Max indeed wins by 22 seconds over Checo. Okay, cool. Carlos Sainz in third is 25 seconds behind, a 13-second performance improvement on last year's Bahrain result. And last year had a VSC in the middle that actually slowed the whole thing down, so Max probably couldn't have built, has built a bigger lead. So what we're looking at here in my massively overly optimistic piece <laughs> is that Checo was actually being caught by Sainz. Not enough, the tyres didn't go off, but it was like whatever it was, three seconds. Last year, it was double digits behind. So if I look at first to second, everyone's going to say Max is driving off into the distance. He's even more dominant this year. No, the pack have caught up by 13 seconds, and Checo is now the one at risk that is further that is falling further behind his teammate. So my massive over-optimistic over view here is Bahrain 24 versus Bahrain 23 was less of a dominant performance by Red Bull because the pack have closed in by 13 seconds. I, I appreciate that. I do appreciate you, Robert. You brought some optimism today. I'm not ready to cancel the podcast just yet. But can I just can I no, just no pickleball. No pickleball. Can I just say one thing though? Yeah, go for it. It's a new concept, the RB20. It is a brand new car to them. It's not like they just tweaked last year's car. This is a whole new deal. So? They don't so there's so much to wring out of it. There's juice to be squeezed. Well, no, Hold on, I'm still talking over here. Be. Pessimistic Joe is going. And so there's juice to be squeezed. They will make improvements. Will Buxton 
I, I was asleep in front of the television and I caught, I put on practice one night and, uh, he said by the sixth or seventh race, they will bring massive upgrades to the RB20, potentially even going to a full zero pod. He said he didn't know how they would do that because of the, the, he saw in the pods and in the side pods and there's a lot of stuff in there. He, he doesn't know if that'll be true or not, but he knows they have upgrades planned. I think this is just the beginning of the Death Star, and it's turning its phasers on us, and they're going to figure it out, no, and I, we are going to be I don't think so. Hosed. I don't think so. The, okay, 13 seconds closer than this time last year is a huge leap forward by the rest I of agree, the group. I agree, I yeah, agree. So, I like and that. we're going to, because of the way the calendar has been rejiggled around this year, we're actually going to see more examples of different types of circuits of different strengths of different cars. So I think you're probably right. By about whenever we get to Japan, which is really quick this year, was it four or five maybe in the calendar? Um, we're going to have gone to ones that favor high downfalls, the uh, high speed tracks, um, you know, the, the whole nine yards will have seen everything. So if Red Bull are massively clear, eh, fine. You know, this optimism was was misplaced. Yeah. But I, I, I actually think just on one race and one flashback to last year's stats that Checo's in trouble for being second in the Drivers' Championship this year. Okay. Um, we should move on, but I just want to say just something uh, I've learned. A year ago, I thought people would catch up to Red Bull before the new regs, and I said we'd have a battle for the Constructors' Championship. I didn't say Drivers, if you remember. I thought Max. Yep. But I said Constructors' Championship before the 26 regs come in. And you said, no, Max, the Red Bull are unstoppable, untouchable. And now we are playing a little bit. In, in a, this is more micro than macro. I understand that. But in today's conversation, we flipped a little bit. And oh, no, they're still going to win the dry, the constructors by a mile because Max by himself will win it. Okay. But what I mean is, what I mean <laughs> is that yeah. I actually think okay. Checo's not nailed on for number two got this it, year. It, so it, I, I don't see the grid can make that bigger leap to catch Max in one year. But I'm stand by. You know, a 13 second difference okay. from the the Delta this year. It'd be interesting to see if um, if they start picking a picking away at Checo. I don't. I, I just let's, don't. Unless Max gets the non perfect weekend with some gremlins creeping in. I, I yeah. Let's do King of the Pits in the Pits because I want to hear from Paul and I have not heard okay. his review. Um, you go first. I went first on our prediction, so you go first. Who was your king and who was your pits? My king of the pits. Um, I think it would be remiss of me not to start with him because we probably won't want to give it to him every single week as he dominates. Yeah. I just got to say, Max, brilliant yeah, weekend. I agree. I'm just going to say I agree. He was flawless all weekend. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Pitts. Oh, man. Um, based on something you just said earlier, I, I was kind of leaning this way, and, and your comment has kind of cemented it, is I'm, I'm giving the pits to the Alpine team just because yeah. the, the – well, maybe even Alpine management because just the yeah. team deserve better than this. It looks like they're going to be in for a long, old season of disappointment. I, I, I would agree. Same thing. I, gave, I would like to give an honorable mention to Lance. Like I said before, turned around on the first lap, finished tenth in the point, got a point right behind Fernando. That's a heck of a recovery drive from Lance. So I would give. You know what? Yeah. And I'm going to give an honorable mention on the pits to Yuki for his giant freakout after the checkered flag came down. There's no other way to say it. That was embarrassing for him as a person, for the team, and I just that was. I, I, it's rare I get on a soapbox about someone acting like an idiot. This is the time. Well, let's calm yourself down. Let's hear the pit lane pool music and then get into his review, shall we? Yeah, we always want to say that. Yeah, at the end. And then I'm going to flip over here and I got Paul right here. 
Hey now, the first official hey now of the season and the first official race done of the season. Um, uh, how was it for you guys? I am going to sit on the fence and say that I was not blown away. I think the the problem is it's really easy to look at uh, Max winning by 22 seconds over his teammate um, and assume that everything's bad in the world. But, do you know, the reality, <laughs> the first few laps, you I know, did. the car's sort of jostling for position where they're actually probably fastest was good, you know. Ferraris getting in, you know, with Carlos getting in position over Charles and then... Yeah, do you know, um, look, realistically, let's take, let's take Max out of the equation. I always think it's sensible to do that, because why wouldn't you? Then you have Sergio winning the race by just over, or just under three seconds, um, followed by Charles, who was, what, we're we talking 14 seconds behind, followed by Leclerc, who was uh, nine seconds Norris, two seconds. Hamilton, two seconds. Piastri, six seconds. So, I mean, like, I think what I'm trying to say is actually take Max out of the equation and it can be relatively close uh, with the rest of the field, which is, uh, I guess, encouraging if you're more interested in who finishes second in the World Championship because I would say pretty much we know who wins it after the first race. So let's break down the weekend. Um no technical issues, no retirements, no crashes. Uh, that's what you get for testing for a few days in Bahrain first, I guess, where there's no real, uh, you, you know, you know your track limits, you know everything that goes with it. So, um, yeah, it was just sort of like, it was a good opener. Um, again, Friday there, uh, nothing nothing really too much to shout about. Um, it was actually quite cold on Friday and Saturday nights in terms of the weather you would expect from the Middle East. So, you know, it was proper, you know, jackets on and it was actually bizarrely quite chilly. Um, so, and then, yeah, qualifying. Did we learn anything in qualifying? Uh, you know, I was surprised Lewis was so far down, if I'm being honest. And after the Friday, that Merck looked okay. It looked like it was a good car. But, you know, again, that's the issue with Fridays. They can quite easily blind you into thinking something's a lot better than it actually is. Um, pushing on to the race. Uh, yeah, I think we've sort of covered that, really. From our side, with Valtteri, we, you know, we had the Turn 1 instantly. He had a great start. Him and Joe had both great starts in that black and green car. Um, and then, yeah, we just got snarled a bit at turn one. Um, that can happen, unfortunately, when you're starting that far back. But then front wing damage and um, I think probably the second longest pit stop in F1 history, <laughs> uh, which is ironic because the first one was also Veltri. Um, but that, again, no blame on the crew. That can happen. Um, it, it is something we got to build on for next race because actually the pace was okay from us, yeah. really. Um, good. Stuck in a DRS train. Uh, I'm not going to change my stance on DRS trains as we get into the new season. I'm still going to have as much dislike for them. Um, and that's that's about it. It's bizarre having it on a Saturday. You know, you spend your life thinking it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's not. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So that that's uh, that was confusing. And apart from that, it was a pretty uh, dull week of uh, of F1. Not really a lot happening in the news. Not really a lot happening um, in and around the paddock. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's uh, that, that's this until uh, Saudi Arabia, where um, you know you're allowed to have as many wives as you like. I guess so. Over and out. Bye bye. Paul, thank you so much. 
Uh, so, that was excellent. So you and Paul both optimists for the battle. I was going to say actually, and, I, and, I, and I'll be honest, I, I didn't listen to his. I saw the uh, thing come through, but I didn't listen to it ahead. But yeah. we've had a number of things that we share there. So uh, yeah, I think I think there is reason to be cautiously uh, optimistic. But before we kind of let's not go back over that because we've already nope. done it. I know you went to town on some. Uh, we got SAP stats fantasy update and look forward to to Jeddah before we ran the the week out. Let's do it. I'm going with the the Nokia. It's a classic. Sap Stats Bahrain kickoff of 2024 edition. And I'm stealing these from Sean Kelly because it's been a busy weekend. So full credit to Mr. Kelly, who's about to be a friend of the pod one day. He'd offered at the end of last year and we couldn't make the timing work. So say say we say we couldn't make the timing work. Anyway, yeah, okay, better. For the first time in F1 history, every car that took the start in the season's first race also took the checkered flag. So yes, everyone's referenced it, but it was the first time we've had every car finish. Red Bull began their 20th season in F1 with their 114th race victory, which as you heard Crofty say on the telecast, ties Williams. For fourth all-time, Williams is, is is quite a lot longer history. Verstappen won his eighth consecutive race because just because the calendar change doesn't mean the history of the races before does. Eight in a row. This weekend, Verstappen took a Grand Slam for the fifth time in his career. We referenced this before. Ties Ascari and Schumacher's career totals, uh, which is third all-time behind Lewis Hamilton's six Grand Slams and Jim Clark's eight. Uh, Jim Clark, by the way, was voted our... Uh, best driver of all time in last year's February F1 fantasticness bracket. Um, we'll, we should talk about that. We have the bracket finish as well, so we can kind of get into that. Verstappen's the first driver to score a Grand Slam in the opening race of the season since Schumacher in 04. Today was Verstappen's 42nd consecutive classified finish. I love this stat because it's the second longest streak in history between behind Lewis Hamilton's 48. So 42 races in a row he's been classified, which is tremendous. Shows the reliability in addition to the talent. Perez's P2 was his best finish since the Italian Grand Prix nine races ago last year. Carlos was P3. It was his fourth podium finish since the beginning of last season. Uh, Charles in P4 gave the Ferrari 12 points, and he only scored six total points in the opening three races of 23, so much better start for Mr. Lockup himself, Charles Leclerc, George Russell in P5, Lewis Hamilton, as I said, in P7. Mercedes scored an identical result to Bahrain 23, but they swapped the drivers around. It was Lewis in 5th and George in 7th last year. Lando 6th and Oscar 8th, as I said, we intertwined the McLaren and Mercedes drivers. McLaren scored in the season's opening race for the first time since 21. Piastri had as many points in this race as he did in the first five races of 23. So you'll see Charles, Oscar having better starts to the year. Um, Hamilton's P7, though, was his worst Bahrain result since the turbo hybrid era began in 14. Fernando in P9 and Lance in P10. Uh, Aston Martin scored with both cars in Bahrain for the second consecutive year. That closes that race, and I did not enjoy it, and I can't wait for the next one. Well, it doesn't close the race because you're going to have to give the fantasy update. Well, fantasy is really about that race. I guess it is. I guess it is. Um, And, you know, interestingly, I'm excited for this because... Andy 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 Tails, as he is on Twitter, tied for first with Sen Gaucho F1. Um, and Andy is a friend of the pod. He's part of the Discord. You've heard him before. But Manuel Lopez in first. And I'm not going to do names because I know a lot of people don't like the names. So sorry, I'll stop doing that. But they both had 239 points. Great job by Sen Gaucho and by Tails, I win. 
So great job by those two, followed by Kimmy Hakkinen, Real Karuna. I got to learn all these new names again. La Second Esquadra, Merck Stappen, Sap at Dirty Side, TMV Racing Reloaded, at Yank the Mike, and Potenza Racing Team. I don't know if you guys caught it, but in sixth place there, there was a guy named at Sap at Dirty Side. Um, did you catch that, Rob? I Is that just your wanted... team name? Yeah. And so, oh well, it's better to, it may not be as good a team name as yours, George's sweaty visor, but I wasn't 32nd either. I was, I was pretty happy. I was only like 40 points off you. I thought I was going to have a stinker once uh, my faith in uh, RB. Uh, they, 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 I got to punt them, I think, pretty soon. Well, the price is adjusted and they went down. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, not a surprise uh, there. Oh, yeah. Well, onwards and upwards to the next one. That's what I say. But um, where are we then? Where are we right next now? We've race. done fantasy. We've done the thing. It's next race time. Quick, or do you want to just quickly hit the um, bracket before yeah, we go into Yeah, I'll just say week. the final four and the winner. So the final four tracks that made it through our bracket, hashtag February F1 Fantasticness. And thank you all for voting. We had Spa. We had Interlagos. Uh, we had Monza. And we had Silverstone. And the final was Silverstone versus Spa. And Spa on Twitter eked it out barely. We had hundreds of votes, uh, 51.6 for Spa. It was super, super close. And Threads was exactly the same uh, result, but a little bit more. I think it was like more like 60-40 for Spa. I was, I was actually shocked. I, I honestly thought Silverstone was going to take it. Um, I did but too. yeah, the love for the love for Spa was strong. So yeah, awesome. Thank you, like Brian said. Thanks to everyone who voted. It was good. It's good fun. And talking of good fun, hopefully next week is going to be a lot more fun. Uh, watching the race at Jeddah. It'll be the fourth time we've been to Jeddah. Uh, it's the night race. It's three point eight three six miles long, fifty laps, twenty seven corners. I had to double check that because I was like, it yeah. can't be. It can't be twenty seven. So many corners. small yeah. corners that are high speed, full speed corners, right though. Yeah, so um, if we flash back to last year, this is the one where Perez came to the party um, and made it look like we might have a battle for the championship between him and Max because he uh, locked out, uh, took pole and took the win. Um, they got their second one two of the season. So it was uh, Checo from Max. Max had bad quality because he had the drive shaft failure. So I think he started in 15th. So yeah, probably would have won it if he decided from the front, but he didn't. So Checo <laughs> took it. Yep. Uh, Alonso made it two out of two. Um, third steps on the podium. Uh, then we had George and Lewis. In... Lewis? Lewis? I don't quite saw what was going on there. Uh, fourth and fifth. And then the Ferrari pair of uh, Carlos and Charles. And then to keep the pairs going, we had Ocon and Gasly. That's not happening again. Um, and uh, K Mag rounded up. 14 retirements. You don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, so we've only had it three times so far. Mercedes have won it once. Red Bull have won it twice, which means we, and because of the order of the winners there, we've had zero repeat winners so far. Lewis won 21, Max won 22, Sergio won 23. Probably going to have a repeat winner uh, coming uh, next week, I think. Uh, but talking of that, we've got to lock in our uh, yeah. our predictions. You have to go uh, first this time, as we because do we really don't think of this time. in advance. It always somehow catches Rob and I by surprise. At the end of the podcast, we have to make this prediction. You should see, since we don't do the YouTube videos, you should see our faces. We're both like this, like, what? We have to make a prediction now? That was me <laughs> vamping for a minute, so I at least have some thoughts. Rob, you go first. Well, thanks. So, um, 
I'm not going to bet against Max. I don't think uh, drive shaft uh, problems happen this time around, so I think he'll probably roll on through and take another victory. But being as I went for the stupidly over-optimistic thing a few minutes ago about how the pack is uh, catching uh, Red Bull, I'm going to invert the two and the three steps, and I'm going to say Carlos from Checo. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. What say thee? I like that a bit, especially because, and again, I know they're new cars, but you saw what Ferrari did at Monza last year, and they were real tight with the Red Bull's high-speed track. That's what this is for everyone who may be newer. Um, Jeddah is a very, 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 very high-speed track, but it has walls around it and is, I guess, technically a street circuit of sorts. Um, I would... I mean, Max, clearly. Like, if I said anything other than Max, you should just reach through the Zoom and punch me in the face. I got Danny Rick, and then you can... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got the RBs, baby! No, I don't. Um, I have Max, I have Checo, and I have Charles. I'm gonna... I think Charles, bounce back for him. Um, I think the team knows he's their future, and I think they will do what they can to help him get on this podium. And I think Ferrari, and again, that's why I'm curious to see high speed. Like, it's a higher speed circuit than Bahrain. How much will that matter? The tarmac is much more tire friendly. Um, so I'm curious to see how this all happens and comes down. But yeah, I got Max. I'm keeping Checo on that second step because I think that RB20 is a machine that is already should be feared and just getting better. And then I got uh, I got my man Charles Leclerc, Mr. Lockup himself, finishing third. Yeah, I mean, I've... I debated about putting Checo up on second because he is good at the street tracks, but he's in this car that he was clear by second, second from third last year by like in the double digits of seconds, and this year was being hunted down. If it was he had a bad quality, choice he was but, like fifth uh, or something after quality, so he had to pass people. And... Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. I'm gonna say that he, he doesn't. So we we'll, shall find out next week. Anything for you left? Uh, no, I'm just going to go and carry on drinking the uh, optimistic Kool-Aid. <laughs> and Rob, I appreciate you tinting my pessimism with some optimisms, and I'm ready for next week as well. I can't wait to watch the racing in Jeddah, and we can't wait to talk about it with all you guys in one week's time. Everyone have a wonderful week. Be well, be safe. Have a great week of watching F1. Yeah.